Caution. Learning in progress. Welcome back to Smarter Every Season. I am Freya Watson, and I will be your host for this podcast. I've got with me here today, Nate Burnham. Hey, how are you? How's it going? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing well. Beautiful summer day. So this podcast, we're we're going to be talking about making the most of your summer and um, doing that by building relationships. Um, We think that that is one of the the keys to um, good sales along with teaching. So um, to discuss that, we've also got Lucas Wesley, um, who is part of our product support team, and Ike Brammel. Um, So let's start with Ike. I'm going to skip over Lucas for a second. Um, Ike, tell us about yourself. Tell us about your, um, your dealership. Okay. Uh, well, my name is Ike Bramble. I'm our precision planning sales manager here at uh, Cultivating Innovation in Moral, or excuse me, in Marion, Ohio. Um, we are a pioneer dealership, and we have a cash and carry chemical business. And then I handle the precision planning part side of everything. Awesome, awesome. And you've been working with Lucas. Um, and yes. Lucas, go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah, thanks, Fred. Um, yeah, my name is Lucas Wesley. I am on the dealer development team on the product support uh, side of that. So been working with new dealers across the states to help either kick off their business or, um, you know, sometimes train new employees and things like that. So happy to be here. Awesome. So, so Lucas, in your dealer coaching or your dealer development, um, what is your main focus? Like, obviously you're with our, our department and product support, but What's the main thing you do now? That's a, I get that question a lot, and some days I don't even know that I have the answer to that, Fred, to be honest with you. Um, just kind of a, a jack of all trades, but the one thing that I really like to focus in on with uh, dealers and growers is to be able to help um, really hone their knowledge on, our, on the product set here at Precision Planning. Um, I want to make sure that they are confident when they go out to the farm of what our products do, how to operate them how to diagnose them, and then also that, that in my mind, helps them uh, kind of get that first step to education-based selling. So, Ike, and then what what is your kind of main focus before we kind of dive into making the most of the summer? What's your main focus um, as far as your customers are concerned as you think about summer and, and moving into it? I guess my main focus with our customers is making sure – we're doing things correct. Um, I guess, for example, I've been spending a lot of time with a customer. We did a, a rebuild on his planter this year and added several precision planning parts, um, going through it, making sure everything's working right before planning and then during planning. And then now after planning, we're doing, we're going a walking fields and looking to see what problems we did have, what we need to correct for next year. So that's kind of one thing we're doing right now is, is keeping things moving. Awesome. And do you do that with, like a number of your customers or is it primarily your new customers and kind of walking through with them doing an evaluation of like the overall performance or what, what does that look like in terms of other, other customers? Well, I do it with all the customers. Um, anybody, anybody from 
we did a plan and rebuild this year. Um, I've even got guys that have just tested their meters that I'll run out and walk through the fields with them and see what we can improve. That's awesome. Gotcha. So like two of the topics that we wanted to kind of cover today or, or chat about, um, were new business relationships and growing business relationships. So it sounds like you are definitely dedicated to growing a business relationship uh, in terms of products and technical skills, um, making sure that they have a great experience with the product or a better experience if they had trouble. Um, So do you have a plan on going to each customer like once a summer or do you have that planned out beforehand or what, how do you kind of go about that? I don't really have an actual planned out. I just kind of take it day by day. If um, I know somebody had an issue or something, um, maybe I'll contact them and and go out and talk to them and look at things. Um, But as of an actual planned out, you could say I kind of do, I guess, with customers that I know that maybe we did a complete rebuild on or something or added something. Those are the ones I'll kind of focus on. Um, other guys I'll kind of go out and visit with to see if there was an issue, if we need to look at something. Gotcha. With the ones with a that you did a, a rebuild this last year, um, mm-hmm. what does that look like going, like you said, you plan to go back to them. What like, give me an example from this last year or coming up. Like, for example, of the plan on going out and talking to them? Or? Yeah, like, if you're, it, I guess, when, you, when you've when you done a rebuild, are you going back to just make sure that everything has gone well? Or is it a plan for the next step? Like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's kind of both. Yes, yeah, so kind of make sure everything went well. So we want to make sure the customer is happy with everything we did. And then, yes, um kind of the next step is, okay, we've got this figured out now. What is the next step? Do we want to add something to your planner to make it better? Or are we happy with what we have? So I'm going to kind of dive into looking at the summer and like how you add business to your, to your dealership. So what's Ike, what's your main focus as far as attracting new customers? How do you go about doing that? For attracting new customers, um, a lot of it, I guess, is word of mouth. Um, I guess I look at it is if I if I do my job with a customer, he's going to talk to his fellows, his fellow friends or his fellow farmers and tell them, hey, I did this to our planner and it worked out pretty good and hope that brings in more business. Um, we try to do things to get our name out there. I know the owner of the company of Cultivating, he does a lot with the local 4-H clubs and stuff, but the livestock sales to get our name out there to pick up business. Um, I'm going to kind of bounce over to Lucas. So Lucas, when you're helping someone get started in their business or, you know, start with precision planting, how do you coach them to start um, getting their name out there or or building new business? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, One of the benefits of being on this dealer development team is we have multiple facets, I guess, um, where we've got the business side, the marketing side, technical side, and we can all kind of come together and help get these dealerships to a level that they, they feel like they need to be at. Um, but with that, with the multiple sides of this team, we're able to really come in and hone in to help these dealers really build their own brand, right? We need to make sure that um, they really are viewed as the planner expert in their area. 
And at that point, like Ike said, that word of mouth can start to happen uh, because they have, you know, built their brand in the area. Ike, in your opinion, or I guess, I guess the first question is, do you cold call? The second question would be if you rely on word of mouth, how effective is the cold calling if they've heard about you already? Uh, I, I do not cold call. No. Um, I, I mean, cause I, I would, if I had to, but I, I typically don't. Okay. Most of the time, word of mouth, it happens quite a bit. I get a phone call from somebody that says, Hey, we heard about you from so-and-so. Do you carry this or do you do this? Um, that's, that's pretty much how, how we do things. Cold call. We just, we don't do a lot of it now. Right. Lucas, do you train any on doing cold call, cold calling? Um, I personally don't from the technical side, uh, but I know that I actually reached out to Matt on the business side of the dealer development team about this earlier, and he really views cold calling as a um, a very key portion of the business, right? Since we're not in more of a consumable industry, you know, we're not selling potash that they're going to use every year, year over year. We need to continue to build that customer base on the backside to make sure that we've always got new customers coming through the door, right? Uh, if we're not cold calling, I'm afraid that, you know, there's going to be a time where we drive by a farm to go service a current customer that we've never stopped at and introduced ourselves. You know, there's going to be a lot, there's a lot of potential closer to home than we think. Um, sometimes it just needs to, you just need to pull in the driveway and shake a hand and, and introduce yourself and start to build that relationship. Lucas, do you have any advice on, starting that conversation like you decide to pull into that that farm what how do how do you start a conversation with somebody like that to get off on the right foot yeah that's always tough it it can be it can be intimidating pulling into that farm lot for the first time not knowing who you're going to meet but the one thing i really like to do is be observant you know pay attention to what you're seeing in the driveway what what brand of tractors parked out back um what color was their dog when you pulled in? You can always find something relevant to start that conversation and then start to roll into some value-added pieces that you're bringing to the farm of, hey, you know, I drove by one of your fields earlier, um, noticed uh, some corn look yellow or something. Let, do you, let's go look at that and see what's going on, see if we can figure it out. Or, hey, I've never met you before. How do you feel about, you know, looking at your planner and let's maybe go walk a couple fields and see, see if we can find anything. So, I think there's a lot of potential there. Cold calls can be intimidating, um, but the big thing is being comfortable, not being comfortable, right? Um, I actually, for a, a little stint, did a job where all I did was cold call. And I think the the difference that it made for me was when I talked to somebody, I wanted them to be sure that my intention was to help, not just to sell right. them a product, but the product I was selling, I believed in it and I knew it could help them. And so that was really kind of the difference maker um, in my experience. And I think that's kind of what you're saying is like, oh, I noticed your corn was yellow. Let's go figure out why is it yellow? Like, what can we do to fix that? Um, I really like that. What what stuck out to me as well is, as you mentioned, value. I think anything, anyone trying to start a relationship with me on selling me something if I don't see the value in it right away or a tangential value at least um 
I probably am not going to be interested. And so, like, we have this thing called the pogo stick. You don't have to sell them anything right away to give them some value in, like you said, looking at their stand. Um, but that's not the only thing. Um, Ike, do you have, like, with your, if, if not just new customers, but um, building relationships with like somebody who might just have V-Drive on their planter and that's it. How do you continue mm-hmm. to talk to them or um, keep the relationship going and keeping the value there until they're ready to take that next step? Well, a lot of times, as I guess we we view most of our customers, not only as customers, but as friends. Um, we try to keep in touch with them all year long and in hopes they come to us with it, with anything and we can talk to them. And uh, I know I have one customer that calls me about, about something that maybe it's not my expertise on the, on the seed side. And I'll, I'll make sure I get one of the seed guys to talk to him about that, to keep that going, to keep our relationship moving. Um, like, uh, I guess that's, is that what you're looking for? Or? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's perfect. Okay. Okay. So we just we we try to keep relationship going at all times. I mean, we try to become friends with our customers instead of just a person who sells them parts. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we do things with our customers that maybe aren't pertained with farming. Maybe we'll go do something, have a lunch with them or something, just to get away from things. Ike, how do you go about say say you have a customer that you know maybe things didn't go exactly right, um, and so you're going to go mm-hmm. out and talk with them about you know what went wrong. How, how do you go about that conversation? Because that's never never a fun conversation to have, but it's kind of inevitable that at some point you're going to experience not the best situation with someone and you got to kind of work through that and build and maintain a relationship through that. So what does that, what does that look like for you? Yeah, um, well, unfortunately that does happen. Um, one of the things I've learned um, through the years of, of, of being part of sales, not only in this job, but my previous job, a lot of time, what I'll do is if there is an issue, I'll look into it. And sometimes it's best just to take blame for it and say, hey, that was my fault. I didn't look into it enough. I didn't do it right. Let's start over. Let's let's do it again. Let's see what we get this time. Um, to me, I found out that that sometimes takes the, takes the pressure off of somebody when you go and, say, and take blame for it. And that just kind of eases the moment and, and you can kind of start over with them. Right. As opposed to just pushing it off on someone else, because then it Correct. it doesn't come yeah. off like 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 a friend would. It's like, oh, well, not right. my problem. Sorry about you. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's the last thing that we yeah. want to happen. And even if it wasn't even if it was something that wasn't my problem, I still try to help and, and look into it and and basically just keep working through it, even just trying to help the person out to make sure it's, it's fixed. Just being someone somebody could could trust. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I wholeheartedly agree with Ike. I think that, you know, when we get in those tense situations that are inevitably coming, um, sometimes it's best just to step up to the plate, take the chewing, whether it's yours or not, and build that respect as you're trying to look for a common goal, right? As you're trying to, um, to find the answers that you're looking for. But I think some of the best relationship builders I ever had uh, when I was in sales was just showing up at the farm and taking my chewing and then continuing on, right? Because at least it showed ownership over the issues. So, so what are what are your guys's? Ike, we can start with you. Um, what are your three or four 
practical steps um, to get a few new customers? I know we kind of talk about word of mouth, but I guess I guess a better question would be, what does that look like for you in terms of when you have that initial meeting with someone who heard about you, how do you kind of start that meeting? What does it look like to foster a, uh, a new relationship? Well, a lot of times with a new customer, I, I try to find something in common with them. Um, if they know somebody I know or they do something I like to do or something, try to find common ground that you can talk to them about and kind of break that ice and just get them a little more comfortable with you. And then things seem to, to pick up from there. Yeah, kind a of lot start of times that personal just, bond. Just, yes, just becoming a friend, basically. Not necessarily pressuring them into not necessarily pressure, pressuring them into buying something. Just you know, this, this is who I am. Right, kind of, kind of uh, puts yourself in like a vulnerable state, and then they, yes. in turn, they trust you more mm-hmm. for that. Yes, Lucas. What about you? What are your tips for for starting a new relationship? Tips for starting a new relationship or to get new customers? Give me, give me your top two for both. <clears throat> okay, um, yeah. So, for really, um, for trying to find those new customers this summer, I think one of the big things is be visible, right? Be around the community, um, be out walking fields, be out in the eye of the public, so people can, you know, kind of see you around and get to get to know you a little bit. Um, and then I think to really start to foster those new relationships, um, again, is so ag community is really hard when it comes to building those relationships and actually trying to get a sale. Typically, they say seven to eight touches before we're able to actually have that relationship to a point where the customer is willing to buy from you. So just because we stop in and say hi to them once this summer, uh, we got to make sure that that our job is not over at that point, right? We got to make sure we're going back to the farm and we're uh, continuing to build that relationship. And every time you go to the farm, you don't have to be looking for something to sell. You don't have to be looking for them to buy something at that point. You just need to be out there and, and offer a lending hand where you can and some advice if you have it. And sometimes um, your presence might help sell somebody else's product. Maybe you don't sell anything at all that day, but in the long run, I think it'll pay off tenfold as long as we can make sure that we continue to build that relationship over the years and don't treat it like a transactional transactional um, type relationship. It's funny when I was talking to Matt, he said, we was talking about the cold calling stuff. And he goes, you know, some people will say they don't cold call at all. He said, I like to throw it back at him. You know, how did you meet your wife? You cold called her at some point, right? <laughs> at some point in time, you had to go and shake her hand and introduce yourself. Um, you know, building that relationship with customers isn't a whole lot different. Fair enough. Um, before we before we close out here, I am going to circle back around to uh, something you guys both talked about, um, and that was the ownership of an issue, whether it was – truly your issue or not. And that's something that has kind of been a common theme up in product support this spring, as we've talked a lot about how we observe, um, you know, different dealerships and and the way they handle issues. And we really appreciate and can't thank you enough for the ownership that you take when problems arise. Um, It makes our jobs a whole lot easier. Um, And it's, it's really going above and beyond uh, the call of duty. And we, we can't thank you guys enough for it. And so we really appreciate it. If there's nothing else, then thank you for joining us, Lucas and Ike. Um, 
We had a great time talking to you. Well, thank you. It's always a pleasure, Freya. Awesome. Well, I hope that this can help all our dealers out there get smarter every season. All right, we're going to transition real quick into a moment of reminders. So as guys are getting getting ready to start chopping some, some wheat down south, um, we thought it'd be a good idea to go ahead and talk a little bit about yield sense and more so the things to remember when we're starting to pull that combine out and, and look it over to see if we're good to go for harvest. So with me today, I have Wendy Ulrich in the studio. Wendy, thank you for joining me. Thanks, Nate. Glad to be on here. Absolutely. We're excited. We're excited. We're moving out of spring. We're kind of moving towards that harvest season. Some guys are going to get started a little bit sooner than others, but we see that every year. So, so Wendy, what can you tell us to look out for? What things should we be checking as far as yield sense is concerned moving into start, uh, start harvesting? Yeah. So maintenance is really important when it comes to yield sense. Um, if we keep the system in top shape, we're going to end up with a more accurate system. So as we get the combines out of the shed and ready for harvest, a couple things to be looking for on the yield scent system. Um, the first thing I would do is inspect the clean grain elevator. So um, loosen up that tensioner and spin the chain around and look at all of the paddles. Make sure none of them are broken, um, nothing's loose, nothing's missing when it comes to the property bucket. Um, kind of pull on that bucket like against itself, make sure the fins are all there on the inside, um, that the plastic isn't cracked somewhere, and um, make sure that bucket's still all in one piece. And then the other thing you have on the chain is that crud brush. Um, there is a wear life to that, so make sure that's not worn down past the point that it's going to not be not not going to be cleaning the flow sensor anymore. So as you spin that around, um, be inspecting the sprocket. Um, if that's worn, your, your chain's going to be wobbling a little bit, and you're going to get inaccuracies from that. And as you spin that chain around, make sure it's not hitting anything inside the elevator housing itself. So if you have anything loose, any metal pieces um, hanging out, as you spin that chain around, it should not catch anything with the exception of that crud brush. Um, that crud brush is going to catch the top a little bit. But um, other than that, it should it should sound pretty good. You should be able to spin that all the way around um, fairly easily. Uh, once you inspect that elevator chain, tighten it down good. Um, keeping the chain tight is really important, so you should be able to rock the the chain on the sprocket side to side but not be able to pull it away from the sprocket so make sure that chain stays tight and you're going to want to check it throughout the season as well but keeping the chain tight is going to keep any of those paddles from being broken um, from the grain property bucket or crud brush from being damaged so that's the first thing i'd be looking for awesome what about um what about like harnessing what can we look at as far as harnessing goes just to make sure we're in good shape there yeah, so as far as the harnessing goes, um, we know that sometimes rodents like to find homes in our combines over the winter. So make sure the harnessing's all still there, not chewed on um, as much as much as you can see there. And 
Um, the other part of the system, too, that I'd be looking at is the flow sensor. So depending on which flow sensor you have, you may have to reshim it, especially if it's a deer combine and it's been in the same location or hasn't been reshimmed for a while. Make sure that top sprocket isn't worn. As your chain wears into that sprocket, it's going to get farther away from the flow sensor. Um, so we need to keep that sprocket in good shape. And just make sure that flow sensor is clean and that it bolts down tight so that it's not vibrating, it's not wobbling on top of the machine when you're actually harvesting. And now remind me real quick of the number of shims we actually need because I know there's a specific specific number. Um, what, what number are we looking for with the shimming? Yeah, so for our deer flow sensors where we shim those, um, the back two bolts have to have a total of seven shims. So... Um, if you do end up reshimming it or if you're moving a flow sensor from a combine to a different combine, there are some extra, it looks like there's extra shims on top. There looks like they're not doing anything, but those are really important. So um, seven shims is the total distance of that bolt length um, with the flow sensor. And so the bolts should not be sticking through the inside of the housing. So um, check out the install documents if you have more questions about that or give us a call. But seven shims on the back two bolts um, total um, of the of the deer flow sensor. Yeah, and that's to, that's to prevent catching anything on that or especially that crud brush and then having it smack up against the... Yep. You know, the inside there, or even the flow sensor. Yeah, so I have seen flow sensors ruined because of that. If, if those bolts stick through too far, and I want to make it clear, it's only the back two bolts, not the front ones. Um, but if those bolts stick through too far, that crud brush catches it, and then it kind of swings back and whacks the flow sensor, damaging the magnets. And I know those flow sensors aren't cheap to replace. Um, so when you're shimming it, your shim gauge might tell you you need three shims underneath it, so that means you'll have to put four on top. Um, so you're still using the shim gauge to see how close that should be, um, but it needs to be a total of seven. Awesome. Awesome. Anything else before we uh, sign off? Um, the last part of the system, I would say, is the 2020, so don't forget about getting that around. Um, if you're moving it from your planter, make sure you save that planter configuration. So especially in the Gen 3, when you switch implements, it gives you a pop-up, but sometimes we all know we don't read those pop-ups all the way through. So make sure you read that pop-up, and um, most importantly, save your configuration. So there's an option to save and load, and um, make sure that planner and the tractor configuration are saved before you switch over to yield sense um, hook everything up make sure your 2020 is up to date uh 2020.ag and the cloud product resources and our 2020 downloads are all great places to go so yeah we have plenty of resources online um cloud.precisionplanning.com is always a great place to go if you have any other questions awesome well, thank you so much for coming in and taking the time to, to give us some reminders. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, everyone. We will see you next time on Smarter Every Season.